welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful have been handed down for generations. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, we preserve the ag heritage and traditions we built our identity on while pursuing the American dream of multi-generation farms that innovate for the future. Listen along as we share stories of how farmers and ranchers are building legacies, both in their business and their character, for the sake of those they'll pass the reins to. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to talk with you about the financial, generational, and production challenges facing producers in the ag industry today. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. On today's episode, I sat down with Sarah Linus, a New Jersey first-generation dairy farmer that is operating an on-farm creamery with her husband and his parents. Sarah shares about their journey to adding a dairy to an existing farm and the unique way they found to cost-effectively add a creamery. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And yes, that is me because this is a passion project and is totally self-funded at the moment. So I wanted to pop in real quick and offer to you guys something that I am working on this fall. And that is an exclusive number of consulting sessions, either for marketing your business or starting your freelance journey. This is something I have not offered in a one-on-one capacity before. I usually only take retainer clients, but I get a lot of questions in my text messages and my DMs about how to get started freelancing and how to take on certain marketing projects and campaigns and how to tackle them in a way that makes sense. So I wanted to offer some one-on-one sessions to whoever would like them. I do have a limited number because my schedule is limited. So if that is something that would be valuable to you, you can send me a direct message on social media and we'll get you some more information. Today, I've got Sarah Linus here and we're going to be talking about what she's doing on her family farm operation in New Jersey. So Sarah is a dairy farmer in New Jersey and also works off the farm as a business attorney. She enjoys volunteering with her local dairy promotion council State Holstein Association, and County Fair Board. So Sarah, thanks so much for joining me. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about your family and what you guys are doing on your operation, kind of how you got started to this point. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is, um, you know, my favorite thing to talk about. So I'm, I'm looking forward to today. Um, so our family farm, um, it's my husband's family farm. He's the third generation on it, but the first generation dairy farmer. Um, so his grandparents started the farm. Um, and then his dad came in and that's how my husband, Dan grew up was, um, farming with his dad and grandfather. They did a lot of crop farming and then they raised beef. So that's what they did. And Dan went to college, fell in love with dairy and decided to build a dairy barn. Uh, so that's, that's how he got started. And then he and I met through, you know, some like community dairy events, pretty typical for, for us. And then that's, that's how I came into the picture and and, um, you know, my background in ag and, and dairy farming specifically was more on the like advocacy end. I did not grow up on a farm. Uh, my parents are actually from northern New Jersey, which is a little more suburban than the western side on the Delaware River where we are. So I grew up in 4-H and FFA. 
so that was that was like my experience growing up and then uh we came together and now we are first generation dairy farmers and the day-to-day on the farm is mostly dan and and his dad um dan does most of the animal care all the all the dairy farming you know ends of it and his dad is still um still crop farms and they crop farm together and his mom um, is in the creamery with us. So we do have the on-farm creamery and uh, that's where his mom comes into play. And she also um, feeds calves. That's something that, you know, a, a lot of people help with. Yeah, so it's him and his parents are on the farm like day to day. And then I'm I'm there at nights on weekends or, you know, when, when I can make it work. It's always a struggle because, you know, there's the farm work doesn't wait, but making it work around the rest of life is sometimes a challenge. Yes, definitely. So, okay. We don't have a lot of dairy production here where I'm from in Kansas. It's We have some in kind of the western half of the state, but not nearly like you guys have there in the north and the northeast. So I'm interested. I don't feel like I hear a lot of people that add dairies to their farm. Is that is that kind of a unique thing for you guys to have done that? Yeah, I don't want to say unique because I'm sure there are people that do it. Um, I think the unique part is, well, so first I think you're right. I'm not sure how many people now are like deciding for the first time ever to get into dairy because it's, you know, there are insane barriers to entry. It's obviously a very difficult market, like generally to make a living. Um, So I'm not sure like how much of that is happening but what I can tell you is that it's really not, definitely not happening in New Jersey. We are experiencing, it's, first of all, New Jersey is a very interesting environment to farm in generally. We are losing dairy farms at a crazy rate. Maybe like four years ago, we had like 55 to 60 dairy farms, which still in the grand scheme of things isn't a lot. And now I think we're down, the last number I heard was like 35. So we're really, we're losing dairies. We're, we're not really adding um and I think it's it's challenging for people to to start dairy farming in New Jersey because there just are not the resources for something like that. It's hard to find what you need around here just to farm in general. And then, you know, dairy is so specific and there's a lot of unique needs. So it, ca- it can be a little difficult. I would say we're lucky because we're on the, the western end, western side of New Jersey, um, which is still rural. We're close to Pennsylvania and we're close to a major highway that feeds right to like the heart of the dairy farming center in Pennsylvania. So we're like an hour and 40 minutes, an hour and a half from like the resources that we need. So in that sense, we are pretty fortunate because we do get a lot of like service service trucks, like if milking equipment breaks or something, we're like right on the cusp of like how far they'll drive to come fix it. So that works well, but like locally, there's really not a lot of resources. So it is really difficult to get started. I think Dan was lucky in that, um, you know, he was already working in like a family farm situation um, and his parents were very supportive of it because it definitely required, you know, working with them since he was third generation on the farm that his parents were currently farming. So I, I, I think we recognize that we're lucky and it was a little different, but I know in New Jersey, it's not happening. And I, I would be surprised if it's happening across the country, because I think it's just, it's, I got to imagine it's, if, if it's tough in New Jersey, I would think it's tough anywhere. So you mentioned there's a lot of barriers to entry to kind of getting started in dairy. What are some of those that you guys have experienced or that you see experienced from others? I think it's cost. The cost is, is a big issue because dairy is so specialized and it's something we're facing now. So 
the farm that we're on um, was set up for beef. Um, so we have, you know, we have a shop, we have a couple of like equipment buildings, like Morton buildings. And then his dad had a, like a three-sided barn for beef. And so we really had no infrastructure for dairy at all. So Dan had to build a barn, which obviously is expensive. And now yeah. we're about, hopefully we'll be breaking ground soon on a setup for, we raise our calves in hutches and then we transition to super hutches. And so hopefully we'll be breaking ground on that setup soon. We're hopeful to have that up by winter. So obviously you're talking like concrete, water, gates, pens, pan, you know, all of that. And it's hard to, I, this is what I think is the barrier. It's hard to find effective ways to use what you have for dairy because it's so specialized. Like that three-sided barn that his dad used for beef, we use that for heifers and like it works, but it's not great. Like it could be better. It re It's not meant for dairy. Um, so I, I just think that's the problem. It's when you want to dairy farm, there's so many things that you need. I mean, the barns, the parlors, they're all so specialized, just like the equipment that you need to do that. I just think it is really cost prohibitive and there's great programs, um, you know, financing you can do and, and, um, you know, the beginning farmer loans, but I still got to pay it back. Right. It's just right. so expensive. And then I think the other big part is the resources. If you're not in an area where there's vets that can handle, dairy issues, or you're not by a supply store that has the equipment that you need, you know, it, again, it can be expensive to get, to get that stuff or you can't get it when you need it. So I think, I think that's a big issue. If you're not somewhere located centrally where you can get the stuff that you need, I, I think that can be hard. I think that's kind of something that a lot of people in ag are facing just that huge barrier to entry with having such huge startup costs, but especially in dairy, like you said, with such specialized equipment. Um, and I think I always forget about at least that part of like, you also have to have people that can fix the equipment if it breaks. So yes. it's not just a matter of getting it. It's also of maintaining it and servicing it. And I'm sure all farmers and ranchers know, right? Like stuff, you can, you can tell yourself that nothing will break, but like something is always going to break. I've yeah. also heard or not heard. And I I've seen as well, access to land. I think can be a big thing. Like I said, we're pretty fortunate that we're on a family farm. You know, I think about someone like myself, right? I didn't grow up on a family farm. My parent, you know, I didn't have that. I liked farming, but I just never even thought of it as a career option because I just had no concept or no way to know, like, how would I even get the land, right? That I would need to do something like this. And again, costs like land, you know, land is expensive to buy, to rent even to access. So I think that can be hard for people too, that want to start farming just generally mm -hmm. that don't maybe don't have a family farm or, a, you know, like a family friend or some sort of like transition plan where they can get access to that. I, I would imagine that is probably pretty difficult too. Did you guys have to expand it all land-wise when you added the dairy? Yeah, we rent a couple of hundred acres to crop farm just because, um, you know, most of, we grow all of our own feed, corn, soybeans. We do a little wheat that we, we sell the wheat, but we use the straw for bedding and hay and oats. So we just have, we rent a couple hundred acres now just to make sure that we have all of the feed we need. And then any excess, um, Dan will sell for a cash crop, but the priority is always cow feed. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, okay. And then you mentioned the creamery. Did you guys add that right away or kind of what did that process look like as you, um, 
out of that. Yeah. The creamery, it's kind of wild. I think Dan and I always knew that a creamery would be in our future. Um, you know, Dan's dad is really big into ag tourism, um, and really values like ag education. He's a former ag teacher. So that probably is why. So he, you know, really, I think wanted to do something with the farm where we could reach out to people and share what's going on. Um, I think he was pretty open to like any Avenue. So he was always, you know, pushing us to like, think about what we could do with the farm. I love talking to people. I love talking about ag. I really like sharing my story because I, I like to, I like to use myself as as an example, right? I didn't grow up in this world, but I've come to love it and appreciate it. And I try to use that to share with others. Like ag is wonderful. Farming is great. You know, that, that whole side piece. So that, that is what I love. And Dan takes so much pride in producing a high quality product. So I think a creamery would, would work well for us. And I, so we always knew that I think New Jersey is it also, also lends itself to this type of thing, because again, Dan and I coming in, um, you know, newly married, trying to figure out like what our future looks like expansion wasn't, you know, we needed to do more and it's hard to expand in New Jersey. We don't really have any large dairy farms. We milk 50 cows. I think the largest dairy in New Jersey is milking like 200 to 300. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are not really in a good place to expand much larger as far as like herd size. So that wasn't really an option for us. So that left us with, you know, a creamery is where we came down to. And I'm not sure what would have happened uh, if we didn't have the like COVID quarantine time, because that was really what pushed us. So it was like two months into quarantine and, and we were spending a lot of time like talking about the farm and, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of direct to consumer businesses. There's a lot of direct to consumer beef. We're surrounded by a ton of produce farms. You know, we were kind of looking around at the state of what was going on and we saw this resurgence of people enjoying buying local and and really appreciating that. So we kind of just were like, it's now or never, like, this is the time, you know, I was still in law school at the time. So I was doing law school from home. So I actually had some more time on my hands. And I was like, this is the time, like, I have time to sit down and do this, like, let's get it done. So we just kind of decided one day, like, we're doing it and we're doing it now. So we worked with um, this company called Don's Dairy Supply and they take shipping containers and they refurbish them to make them like creameries or commercial kitchens. Um, So we worked with them and, you know, we thought a lot about what should we build a creamery and then like put in the equipment or like, how did we want to do this? It was again, a cost thing. We just wanted like a financially reasonable way to get into this. That was sustainable for us without biting off more than we could chew. Frankly, we didn't really know how this was going to go. So we bought one of these shipping containers. Um, It's a 40 foot container and they built it out on the inside. It's, it looks, if you were standing in it, it just looks like you're in like a creamery. You have no idea that it's a, a shipping container, but it got delivered to the farm um, you know, we had to set up all the electric and water and, and you know, all of that stuff, but it arrived and we hooked it up and, you know, did some test runs and then we were ready to go. So it, I recommend it always to people as a way to get into it. I think we'll probably have some challenges when we want to expand just because we're confined to a space. So we either need to work with them to like add on another unit or something, but different conversation, but yeah, that's, that's how we got into it. It was just, honestly, it was we just decided, you know, and I know people say stuff like that all the time, like just make a decision and do it, but it can be scary when you're about to spend all this money to do something that you really don't even know if, if you can do. So yeah, we just, 
made the decision and went for it. And, and so far it's working out really, really well, probably honestly better than we, we are doing better than we thought we would at this point, which is great. And it's amazing to see how receptive people have been to it because that was my biggest concern was just not knowing like how people would respond because I'm always very wary of the messaging behind dairy and what people think and, and that stuff. Yeah. So uh, it, that, that was my biggest concern, but so far it's been going well. That's awesome. Um, those dang shipping containers, I swear, they're the like most multi-purpose useful things. Yes. So it was, cool. When we went to the facility to look at this, the one that we bought, they were building one for a woman. I, I thought this was incredible. It was 50 feet, I guess. I don't know. It, it was bigger than ours. I'll say that. And the entrance was in the middle. And on one half, they were building her commercial kitchen. And on the other half, they were building her a creamery. It was just amazing. I thought that was so cool. so cool. And the fact that they just like delivered it, like dropped it on your doorstep. <laughs> I mean, I know it was more complicated than that, but that was so cool. Yeah, it was. It was cool. Um, so what kind of things did you guys, do you guys sell in your creamery? Right now we sell fluid milk in a variety of different sizes, white and chocolate. And our milk is pasteurized non-homogenized it's illegal in new jersey to sell raw milk so uh definitely pasteurized but non-homogenized so it is a cream line product and then we do seasonal flavors so like we're about to get into eggnog season which is exciting and we just started working with the local ice cream shop to make ice cream for us so that is the other challenging pieces like bottling milk is it's not easy but you know you pasteurize it right you bottle it there's not really like a recipe for yeah. anything else, you need to be like a talented ice cream maker or cheese maker, which, you know, and no one wants to eat bad cheese, right? So you, you better be good at it. And Dan and I are just not, you know, and his mom, you know, none of us just have learned. So we were like, how do we expand? How do we offer more products? So we just started working with an ice cream shop. It's like a mile down the road from us. And they are fantastic. They take our milk and they make ice cream in their shop because they have like all the equipment and they obviously know, they know what they're doing. So they make ice cream for us that we can then sell like in our farm store. Um, That is cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And it's, you know, it's fun to work with another business too, I think, but um, that, so that's our newest product. And then we're talking about trying to figure out how to do cheese. I don't know if we'll ever be like gourmet cheese makers, but it would be nice, I think, to offer, you know, kind of like the basics. Um, so we're trying to figure out like if we, if one of us should go learn how to make cheese or if we can find someone. There's another creamery in Pennsylvania that makes a lot of cheese. So we thought maybe like reaching out to them to see if they know of anyone who could like come in and make cheese for us or something. So um, we're only a year and a half in. To the creamery business. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, so it's oh, a long ways then quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, sometimes it's a little overwhelming. Yeah. We did not think that we would be having these conversations at this point, like already adding other products, but it would be, it would be nice to, uh, we just want to, I don't know. I just want to make sure we do it right. And I never want to bite off more than we can chew. So hopefully, uh, you know, this winter we'll spend some time thinking about cheese, but right now, uh, we just have white milk, chocolate milk and ice cream. The essentials. Which, what more can you Definitely, definitely ice cream on a list of essentials. I can get on board with that. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. So kind of shifting gears a little bit, what has been the biggest challenge? I know you guys have, sounds like you've had a lot of success, but what has been the things that were the biggest challenge as you grew and kind of took on this new venture? I think the biggest challenge for Dan and I has been time management and not in the sense of like 
meeting deadlines or like you would think of time management with like school or a job. It's just trying to make smart, sustainable choices for our business without overwhelming ourselves or sacrificing like quality on one end. I mean, dairy farming, as with any farming, is very time consuming as it is, right? Like there's always something to do. There's always something to plant, something to harvest, a cow that needs attention, like cows to feed, cows to milk, right? So I mean, that is a job, you know, a job in and of itself. And then I work off the farm and now we added this creamery business and now we're selling ice cream, right? And we want to add more. So I think the challenge is just, and with that, we both see this like great vision of what we could do. And, you know, like the adding in the ag tourism piece, we've had a couple of open houses, right? It would be so nice to like do more of that stuff. So I think we both just get so like caught up in all of the amazing possibilities and things that we could do and, you know, where we could take the creamery and, and then just like the dairy farm, we're starting this new hutch project I was talking about. And we also show cows. So like, we're always talking about like better genetics. And sometimes I think it can be really hard for us to be like, okay, these are all great things and we can definitely get to them all, but they all cannot happen right now. And like, sometimes we have to just prioritize like the normal day-to-day, like caring for the animals, planting the corn, like harvesting the corn, right? Like not every day can be focused on building the business because we have to run the business. And I, I think that it's hard for me because you just get so excited and you want to just like keep doing, doing, doing more to grow, but it obviously cannot happen all at once. And there are things that you like have to do sometimes. So I think that has been the hardest is just recognizing like we need to move slow. We need to be sustainable in our growth. We can't just like go do all these things. And then, you know, like we have, you know, obligations, right? Like it just, it just doesn't work like that. And uh, I wish it did because That'd be so much more fun. Yeah. It's been challenging to just sometimes like rein it in and remember that we just need to like take our time and we'll get there, but it has to happen like slowly. We can't, can't, not everything can happen at once. Yes. It would be nice if it could, but yeah, I feel like I struggle with that so much too. Just, it's like you have the vision and you want to see all these projects get started and keep moving and and just got to go slow. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And and not, and there's nothing wrong with going slow. I think like right? Like some, sometimes I hear like people are like, go slow. And I'm like, oh, but I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like sometimes you just genuinely have to do that. And yeah, it can be hard to remember, right. but we're right. trying our best. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay. So I had another question about kind of where, what your big goals are for the future and adding on, I feel like you kind of answered that already, but do you have anything to add about what you kind of are looking at next? Oh, it's so hard because we're always like daydreaming about something. You know, to be honest, in an ideal world, I love what I do. I do love my job and I don't see myself giving that up anytime soon. But one day it it's just fun to think about like if we can keep growing this business and what we've got going on the farm, you know, it's fun to think about me also being there full time. It's very different than what, uh, you know, what, how it looks now, but it's cool to think about. So I think you know, that's always something that's like in the back of our minds. I may have underplayed this, but Dan's mom runs the creamery. She's amazing, but you know, she can't do that. No one can do that forever. It's, you know, it's a lot for one person to do. So I think, you know, that, that piece may also be like in our minds as we continue to grow is like, where do we, when do we have that conversation? Like, do we hire someone? Do, you know, do I make an adjustment? Um, Yeah. I think, I think that is part of the 
you know, plan of growth or thinking about what the future on the, on the creamery and the farm looks like that. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. That's a big decision. Yeah. (laughs) So when you guys, when your husband kind of came back to the family farm and you guys added the dairy, I know for a lot of people that have multi-generation operations, when um, a new generation comes back, it's almost like conditional that they add something new or diversify in some way just to have that additional new stream of income to support themselves. Is that kind of what happened for you guys? Or was this just purely like you guys love dairy and we're doing it regardless or? Yeah, I think, I don't think that's what it was. I think no matter what Dan would be farming, you know, it's very, you know, he loves that. It's very clear. loves that. That's what he went to school for. and, And he went to school close to home. So even on the weekends, he was home. Um, farming with his dad. I'm sure if it wasn't dairy, they would have had to rent more ground or maybe double the beef herd or something, you know, to accommodate both. But I don't think it was ever, you know, you, you have to do something different, but I, what I will say is I don't think anyone was expecting Dan to go to college and be like, I'm going to build a dairy barn. Right. I don't, I don't think that was necessarily like on the table and until it was. And it now it works out great because um, Dan's dad has since like retired from the beef business, but still crop farms. Uh, but it's kind of nice because his dad obviously has been farming forever. So knows so much. So now they still crop farm together. And then his dad, you know, helps on the dairy side as much as he can. So it's kind of been a nice transition um, for a while. They were farming together. There were still the beef cows, the dairy and all of the crops. And I think it's allowed like a nice transition into a good like pattern of, of them working together. And obviously they've been very supportive of, of him starting a dairy. So yeah, I don't think it was conditional, but I'm sure, I'm sure they would have had to do something and I'm not sure if they envisioned dairy as that something, but, <laughs> but here we are. So <laughs> Well, it's very cool. See, it's so cool, I think, to see an operation just like how it evolves over time because of the, the family members' interests. And that's awesome that you guys get to, have gotten to add, you know, something that's very special to you to this history and this um, yeah. legacy that his parents and his grandparents are passing on. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's really special to see his grandfather um, his grandfather's 95 and he doesn't do much in the way of farming, but he still fi- like fixes things. He has, there's an old, we have an old barn on the property. It's actually an old dairy barn and, and he has a shop in there and he's still fixing stuff. He's, you know, still a part, a big part of it. And I think it just the impression I've got, I think it's really special for him to see his son and now his grandson farming together and like building something special on this like land that I know meant so much to him. I think it's, I think it's really cool for him to see like how far they've come and, and the things that, that they're doing. Yeah, I bet. So, so different probably from what, I mean, not 95, he's seen a lot of, <laughs> a lot of change yes. in his lifetime, I'm sure in agriculture. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we're coming up on our last questions then. Um, what's something that has been passed to you, maybe from Dan's grandpa or from anyone that you think is important to pass on to others about this agricultural way of life? Oh, I'm, I'm going to get a little sentimental or emotional maybe, but please do. <laughs> I think um, it's just this feeling of appreciating what you have built for yourself and your family in those small moments. You know, there's something so satisfying and meaningful about 
you know, the end of the day and there's a beautiful sunset and you're looking around at this property and you're just thinking like, how lucky am I that I get to be here with these animals that I love, you know, taking care of the land and doing these things. And I just think there's something so special about that way of life. And, you know, I think my parents instilled that in me in other ways growing up. I mean, we're a very close family, but I do consider myself very lucky to have learned that I think from Dan's grandfather, especially when you're thinking about like the legacy that you're leaving behind. So I think just that appreciation for what you have and what you've built for yourself and and thinking about the legacy that you're, you're leaving for your family is really special. And I'm so grateful that, you know, they've shared that with me and they've kind of, you know, welcomed me into their family and, and brought me into that. And I'm, I'm really honored to now be part of that generation that's, you know, hopefully leaving something even better behind for the ne- for the next group. Um, so that, that's been really special. Oh, give me chills. Um, <laughs> I think that's so true though. Uh, lucky is a great word for it. Sometimes I forget like how few people really get to experience that feeling mm-hmm. of, you know, just pouring everything they have into the farm that's their, their legacy. It's, it's everything that they've been working for to pass on. So yeah, it's crazy. Um, I have one more question and that is, uh, what's your favorite tradition that you guys have on your farmer operation? So this is like tradition slash superstition. Um, (laughs) so Dan and I, uh, have, have this like game that we play. We get so excited for every calf that's born on the farm and and we name all of our, our calves, but we will not discuss like names or we just like, won't even acknowledge that like, there may be a calf to be named, but, um, we like, (laughs) well, we just like, don't want to talk about it because we don't want to jinx anything, but we're both still thinking about it. So we'll like leave like clues for each other, like (laughs) the names that we're thinking of. So, and, and like find creative ways to do it, like whether it's a song or like a food or something. And it's kind of, it's hard to explain. It feels kind of dorky. You know, we don't, because we're a smaller farm, we don't have a ton of calvings all the time. So this is maybe like three times a month, four times a month, but you know, a couple of days leading up to it, we'll start to like drop hints or do like funny things to like indicate the names we're thinking about without ever saying it. And like, neither one of us acknowledge the fact that we're like thinking about names or talking, um, but it's just become this like fun game or tradition that that he and I have when when we know we have a calf coming I don't know it's just it sounds so dorky to talk about it no I think it sounds so cute that's adorable it's it's fun and I don't even know when it started but yeah that's a little game that we play with ourselves and probably I don't know probably always will (laughs) yeah no that's really cute not I mean I bet you get some really good names that way since you guys think about them for a while and that's cool (laughs) We, um, we let my six-year-old name most things around here. So most of our animals' names are not great. <laughs> well, that's so, that's, I think like that's so special though, too. Like, no. They've got some pretty wild names, like cat named Thunderstorm. And it's like, what, what, <laughs> but it is, it's special. Well, um, okay. That kind of brings us to the close of the questions I had in mind. Um, is there any other things you'd like to share or stories you'd like to include here as we wrap up? I don't think so. This was, this was great. (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much again for taking time. I want to make sure our listeners know where they can find you and learn more about you. Now, I know I've got you at Spring Run Dairy on Facebook and Instagram. And is there any other place folks should be looking for you if they're local to you that they can find your creamery, find your products? Yeah. So if you're local to us, um, we do have an on-farm store and we um, do retail in a bunch of locations. So my my best suggestion would be to go to our website, uh, springrundairy.com. And we have a whole page on there, like a, like a locator to help you find, you know, where you can find us or the information to get to the farm store. Um, and so if you're local, uh, definitely check it out because we, we love having visitors and we love showing, showing the farm off. So very cool. Well, thank you again, Sarah. Thank, thank you. Do you know someone building their ag legacy or with stories of yesteryear on the farm that need to be shared? Please let us know or help them apply to be a guest on the show at farmingonpurpose.com guest. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a share on social media. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, at, at Farming on Purpose on all social media. And let us know what topics you want to hear more about.